Golf is the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say right. I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Just briefly on, on something Tommy mentioned there. Talking to your marker in Gaelic games. Like Tommy Welsh. Talk to me after the game. Yeah. Just imagine him saying it. Um, you, you are someone. You are someone who doesn't talk. No, and I honestly hate when like a player comes in and they try to <laughs> chat to me. Right. I I do. I really do. And I often think, geez, they probably think I'm so ignorant. But like once the whistle's gone at the end, I'll, I'll chat away to you. Yeah. And you do obviously a club football. You get to know all the girls who've been playing against them for years at this point, and yeah, you know them. But I don't. I don't, don't want to talk to you during the game. I, if I'm if I'm on the pitch, I will talk constantly. I'll talk constantly you to the fellow marketing. You would be my nightmare. But you see, I'll talk, I'll, I'll tease it out a little bit at the start and then if they don't like it, like if they don't re- reply to me, I will talk even more. I'm like <laughs> chatting away, like I'm on air. <laughs> chatting away about all sorts of things. Yeah. But you'll be chatting about the weirdest things, like the stupidest things. But is that you trying to get in their heads? Oh, completely. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. You're, you're not interested but in having a nice know, I might know a lad that's marking me and you'll chat away to them. Um, I, remember, I remember Ryan Wiley used to mark me at club level years ago for Bally Bay. You can imagine that what that was like. I mean, yeah. Ryan Wiley, the stickiest cornerback to mark you in, in the country now. Um, but he wouldn't talk much. But I remember no. I was always a talker. Um, we, we'll get into this actually in racing as well, because we're going to preview the Morton Games, the Athletics with the Irish Olympian. Louise Shanahan is on the line with us now. Louise, good morning. How are things? Good morning. How are you? Keeping well, thanks. Keeping well. Is that something in terms of the start line of a race? Is there, are there conversations that like, like yeah, you have I'm with your opponents? Thinking. Yeah, so we have a call room before, so we often spend kind of 20 minutes often sitting in silence with our competitors. Uh, and I just find that so nerve wracking. So I'm the kind of athlete to just talk to anyone, irrespective of whether they want to talk. Um, so I've been told to shut up um, on the start line before. Um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely a talker. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe not my best quality, but it's a good way of dealing with the nerves, um, even if my competitors don't really like it. Are you, are you doing it to get into their heads or are you just doing it because you're friendly? Um, I think both. it's quite boring, you know, the 20 minutes before a race, you're quite nervous and everyone's just sitting there in silence putting their shoes on. I find that quite boring, so I guess I, I do it to fill the time. Um, and yeah, it's yeah, I think it annoys quite a few of my competitors. I have been told to be quiet um, in, in no uncertain terms. So. Really? really, can you name and shame? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that, but um, yeah, the athletes themselves, they know. I think I, I maybe when I was 18, 19, I started to take it to another level where I actually used to talk during the races. And <laughs> um, often, you know, we'd have heats, so we'd have, um, you'd know what kind of time you need to run to qualify for the final. And yeah, I I was known for, you know, saying, yeah, that's great, guys. We're on pace or we need to pick it up a little. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm definitely a talker. Um, maybe not my best quality. Because I've heard of jockeys. That's amazing. I've heard of jockeys chatting during like the Grand National and big races. But like, Jesus, Louise, for, to be chatting during a race where you presumably have to be keeping your breath and keeping your, 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 your breathing on point, that, that must be difficult. But clearly you don't find it difficult. I think it depends because if you're trying to qualify with the heat, you're not, you're trying to like get to the final, expending the least amount of energy possible. So, you know, a few words telling people that we're running quite quickly and we can slow down uh, is probably less energy than to keep running at the pace they're running. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's worth it. It probably also throws off my competitors, you know, if they're sprinting flat out to try to make a final. And I turn around to them and say, oh, no need, you know, we can slow down. And um, yeah, it probably throws them off a little bit. Uh, and you'd be surprised, I think, how people listen, if that makes sense. Uh, I remember a heat for an Irish Intervarsity Championships a few years ago. And um, 
Yeah, we were running down the home straight and I, I thought we'd qualified. So I quite literally told the people around me that, you know, we don't need to sprint, slow down. And the entire race slowed down. I was amazed. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's it's one of those situations where you're not expecting someone to talk. So then when they do, you kind of pay attention. Um, but, yeah, I, I have been told, though, to stop speaking during races. So I think I've kind of weaned that out now of my of my um, race day prep. And what about your coaches? Do they, do they like that you do this? Like, I'm sure that can be an advantage at times that you're telling competitors, you know, we're doing well here. Good pace, girls. Like, you're so encouraging. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think my coaches think it's a bit cheeky and that, yeah, I maybe maybe should do it a little less than focusing on racing. Uh, so I, I was told to um, get the talking during racing out of my uh, my race day. But um, the talking on the start line in the call room, that's very much still there. Um, your own story, Louise. Like you're, you're so for people unaware, Irish 800 meter record holder, Olympian in 2020. Well, it actually took place, of course, in in 2021. Um, what was that experience like? Because I mean, for anyone to to, to reach an Olympic Games in their chosen discipline, uh, I know a lot of the, the athletes get the get the Olymp- five Olympic rings tattooed. I don't know if you went that far, but I'm sure it was it was a, an unbelievable experience. Yeah, you know the um, the Tokyo Olympics was a bit weird because we we're in the middle of COVID. Uh, and I always tease my parents, you know, that they say they're supportive parents, but then I go and qualify for the Olympics and they don't even bother to show up. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it was weird. We had no spectators. Uh, it was huge stadiums that were absolutely empty. Um, but yeah, it was it was really cool. And I guess from when I was maybe nine years old, I decided I wanted to qualify for the Olympics. So to achieve that dream is, yeah, incredible. But um, yeah, for me, I really, really want to qualify for Paris to have kind of the full Olympic experience as much for kind of my friends, my coaches, my parents, my family uh, as for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, an Olympic Games is something incredibly special and there's so many countries, uh, so many athletes in close proximity and, you know, to walk around the village where, you know, you've got Skyrise um, apartments, everyone's got their flags out the balcony, there's so much colour, there's so much noise. Uh, you know, some people are getting up and racing at 5 a.m. Other races aren't until 10 or 11 o'clock at e- in the evening. So the village is always buzzing. And so, yeah, so I really, really enjoyed um, the village in the Tokyo Olympics. And I'm really excited, hopefully, to see what it's like in Paris. Am I right in saying, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you're, so you're one of these annoying people that's just unbelievably good at everything. So not only are, are you an Olympian, but uh, doing a PhD in Cambridge in quantum biophysics? Yeah, that's correct. So um, my my PhD, the the physics, uh, the PhD is correct rather than being good at everything. I can tell you, <laughs> I, very much, I very much cannot sing. Um, yeah, not my strong point. Um, but my PhD is in quantum biophysics. So I take really really small diamonds, uh, and I put them inside cancer cells, and I use it to measure temperature and viscosity. So it's like quantum sensing. And um, yeah, so I really enjoy it. Uh, it tends to be a bit of a conversation ender. You know, people say, oh, what do you do? And I say, oh, yeah, I'm doing a PhD in quantum physics. And they kind of go, oh, OK. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoy it. And I think it works really well to kind of have it alongside the running. There's only so many hours a day that you can train for. So it's nice to have a distraction in between. Yeah. What is that balance like? Because I'm sure PhD, that must be really full on. And obviously you're an unbelievable athlete as well. So how do you balance it all? Um, I think it's a lot of kind of running from one place to the other. And and I think I'm quite organized in terms of I know how much training I need to do in the day. I know how long that's going to take. Uh, and then I know what I kind of need to get done before I go training. And um, so I find that it worked really well, particularly coming up through school. You know, I'd know that I'd be going to the track at, say, eight o'clock at night. 
uh, and that I'd have to have my homework done before I, I left. So I think it really does get you to be good at time ma- management and yeah, really honest packing things the night before. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 not so bad in terms of I'd much rather be doing a PhD than a full-time job because if I want to go train at four o'clock in the day now, I can and I can just go training and then have a shower and head back to the lab and work for the evening. Whereas if you're in a job, they often expect you to be there kind of from nine to five. You can't disappear off in the middle of the day for training and they probably don't appreciate it if you leave the country to go race. So, yeah, I think the PhD is much more manageable um, than a job. So I'm very grateful to have it. You're obviously a data analysis person. If you're you're studying a PhD in in quantum physics, like I read somewhere, Louise, that you were using spreadsheets in order to qualify for the Olympics. So you're, you're inputting data uh, and trying to gather the points, I guess, you need for rankings in order to qualify for the Olympics. So your degree basically helped you reach the Olympics. Yeah, so um, the Tokyo Olympics was the first Olympics that had this new qualification scheme where half the athletes were qualifying through the world rankings. Um, and basically, it's like your best five races, but it's not how fast you run. It's like how fast you run, how good the race is, and where you finish in the race. And it's a very complicated system. And so, yeah, I'd set up a spreadsheet to work out which races would be the best races to go to so that I could get the most points to qualify for the Olympics. And and yeah, I, I think I managed to do it with a few points to spare. And so it was but it, it really was quite tight. And yeah, it, I don't think if I if I hadn't had my spreadsheet, I probably wouldn't have gone to the right races and probably wouldn't have qualified for Tokyo. So, yeah, wow. it, it definitely worked out that way as well. Did your coaches like know that you were doing this? Did, were they, I suppose, delighted you did this? Especially if you said that you don't think you would have qualified unless you did do it. Yeah, I, I think they kind of leave this side of it to me, and <laughs> they get me into good shape, and then they they trust me to find the right races. And um, it's actually quite funny because um, we were at the European Team Championships about two weeks ago in Poland, and we had a great I- Irish team out there. Uh, and it was really funny because a couple of athletes came up to me and showed me their spreadsheets. And um, so there's a few of the other um, other runners have now kind of taken after me and have built a spreadsheet to help them qualify for the World Championships this year and hopefully Paris next year. And um, so, yeah, several Irish athletes are now traveling around the circuit with spreadsheets trying to work out the best way to qualify. It must have been quite, um, I guess, satisfying to input a, a sub two minute 800 meter time into, a, into your spreadsheet. Uh, for the first time uh, quite recently like for for background on this Louise so age 16 you win the 800 metres at the European Youth Olympic Festival this is in Utrecht uh, 2 minutes 8.75 seconds uh, a big time for you at that at that age but then for 6 years you, you you failed to go under 2 minutes and 8 seconds so what was it like then to, to smash your record I guess and, and to finally go beyond uh, below 2 minutes yeah so for me, I think I really, really struggled kind of age 17, 18, 19, 20. And I remember it was um, it was up in Mary Peter's track in Belfast um, that I finally broke uh, two minutes and eight seconds. And at the time I ran, I think it was 2.04.7. And it pretty much exactly halved the distance between me and the Olympic standard at that time. And that was just an incredible moment to know that, you know, um, when I died, the 208 wasn't going to be written on my gravestone. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it was crazy. And um, I think it was maybe only two years later at the same track, the same meet that I um, broke two minutes for the first time. 
And um, so yeah, to to run one fifty nine forty two was um was really was really great, and it, it was a national record at the time. But um, Kira McGeehan has since broken that, so I need to get my act together and run faster. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it it also kind of ruined the fun though because the that time was fast enough to be an automatic qualification for the World Championships, <laughs> which means I don't need a spreadsheet. Um, so yeah, I haven't really known what to do. Um, I, I ran the auto qualification this year as well, earlier in the year. So this is my second spreadsheet list year. Um, so yeah, a, a little less stressful, but um, maybe not quite as exciting as uh, trying to get it through the ranking points. Oh, that's and, awful. Yeah. <laughs> to work on, yeah. And growing up, Louise, was this always the, the goal, the path that you wanted to take? Uh, yeah, so my dad was um, an international athlete and I think I went to my first race when I was maybe six days old. Uh, I wasn't running, but I was I was <laughs> in the car at the at the side of the cross country course. And um, so, yeah, so I kind of grew up looking up at my dad and thinking, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do. And um, so I think, you know, he really inspired me and he coached me the entire way up until I moved to the UK for the PhD. And so, yeah, I think the the entire way I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do. And I didn't always think it was going to work out. We mentioned earlier that I had some pretty tough years, kind of uh, 17 up to 22. But yeah, and yeah, I I really love running. I I love training. I love being at the track. And yeah, the the dream of being an Olympian uh, has been there for a very long time. So. I know the the Morton Games are starting, and and I know it, it's a, it's an event that you would have loved to have been taking part in. Injury has has ruled that out, unfortunately for you, Louise. But um, I, I guess when you're looking at that women's eight hundred eight hundred meter race now this evening at fifteen pm, um, how do you call it? Like Izzy Buffy, I'm sure is someone who you've had a lot of uh, competition with over the years. But you have other competitors in there: Georgia Hartigan, Nadia Power, Jenna Bramwell, Isaac O'Donnell as well. So it's it's a fairly hotly contested race. Yeah, so um, unfortunately I slipped um, a few days ago, and it's it's not a kind of an impact injury, so I'm I'm quite happy about that. But it has ruled me out of competing this evening. And um, but yeah, the women's eight hundred does look uh, like a really stacked race. We have um, quite a few athletes over from America, and um, probably most notably um, Ali Wilson and Olivia Baker, who both have one fifty eight um, PBs, so they're a second faster than our Irish record. Uh, and then there's athletes over um, from Australia. And we actually have a British athlete, Lindsay Sharp, who's running, who was um, the 2016 Olympic finalist. So it's, it's a really stacked race. Uh, and I think Jenna Bromwell and Georgie Harshkin are now the two Irish athletes who are running in it. So I'm really excited to see how they run. But I'll be watching it through closed fingers, hoping, you know, that I don't look back in it saying that was the race I needed to be in. And also in the 100 metre hurdles, Sarah Lavin, she's an Irish athlete that everybody has close eyes on always and she's in good form at the minute as well. Yeah, Sarah Lavin is doing absolutely incredibly. Like this girl has just nailed her season. Um, She raced in Stockholm last week and she ran 12.73, which was a big PB. It was the automatic standard for the Olympic Games on the second day of the qualification. So we've got a year, 365 days to do it. Her first race, the second day of the qualification, she goes out, she runs the automatic standard. It's just absolutely incredible. And so, yeah, so it'll it'll be really exciting to see how she runs. She didn't have the best weather when she raced in Stockholm. So, you know, maybe with the right race, the right competition and the good weather, she can start getting towards that national record that Dervil O'Rourke holds. I think it's 12.65, so a little bit of the way to go. But yeah, Sarah is just nailing um, the competition this year. She's doing so well. Yeah, she's only eight hundredths of a second off Dervil O'Rourke's national record of twelve point six five as well. So she's really hunting that that figure down. Um, 
in the men's 800 uh, as well. Louise Mark English, I guess, is the name to look out for here. Yeah, I mean, Mark is, he's great. He's an, an incredibly reliable athlete. I guess most recently he won the bronze medal at the European Championships in Munich last year. Um, and yeah, so he was racing in the UK last year, or the UK last week, and they actually had such a big race, they split in two, and they put him into the B race. Uh, and he clearly wasn't very happy about that because he won the entire thing from the B race. So he's in, he's in good shape. Uh, he's some stiff competition from the British athletes, uh, I guess, most notably, and um, Kyle Langford is back, uh, looking for his fourth straight victory in the Morton Games. So I don't know what connection he has with that track, mm-hmm. um, but he's been running really well at this competition. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Uh, and then Guy Learmouth is also over from the UK. Um, and we have several other Irish athletes in that race. And um, John Fitzsimons has been bouncing all over Europe. I think every time I pick up my phone, he's raced a new race. Uh, and we also have Harry Purcell, Roland Sturdis and Mark Milner. So yeah, a great field uh, and very much kind of a battle of the Irish versus the British. Lots of other uh, Irish athletes look forward to in the Morton Games as well in Santry. Um, the European Under-23 Championship as well is something, that, I mean, Israel Alatunde, I guess, is a name that we're, we're all very familiar with. He's, he's an action himself. Yeah, so the European Under-23s, I think, started two days ago, possibly. Uh, and we actually have three athletes who've qualified for finals tonight. Um, so you mentioned Israel. He's in the 100-meter final. And um, yeah, he's he's another athlete. He's just building year on year. Last year, we saw him run the national record, 10-17, uh, in Munich at the European Championships. And he's back in another European final. So it'll be really exciting to see uh, what he can do. And then we also have athletes coming through. So for example, we have Jack Raftree has qualified for the 400 meters. And his semi yesterday was just incredible. Uh, he ran a big PB, 45.89, first time under 46 seconds, and um, to absolutely blitz his semi. So, yeah, we're really excited to see him in the final. And the other person to look out for uh, is Nicola Tothill. Uh, she's a hammer thrower, and she was out with me at the European Team Championships two weeks ago, where she threw an under-23 Irish record. Uh, and she went out to the heat, into the heats, the qualification yesterday for the hammer. And the very first throw, she just threw the automatic standard straight into the final. No mm-hmm. questions about it. And um, so, yeah, she's in incredibly good form. And I'm really, really excited to see her throw this evening. Yeah, it feels like Irish athletics is in a really good place at the minute. Like if we look at Rashida Adelecki, you know what she is doing. Like it's just unbelievable to, to see some of her performances. Yeah, no, Rashida is just, yeah, she she is another level. Um, I, I'm amazed every time she runs, I think, wow, there's no way she can run faster. And then she goes and takes another half a second off uh, the national record. And um, yeah, Rashida's actually opted not to run the European under-23s this year. Um, but she will be running, hopefully, the World Championships later in the summer. And yeah, I mean, when we look at Rashida, you know, she's one of the best in the world right now. And yeah, when I when I grow up, I want to be just like Rashida. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Louise, brilliant stuff. Hopefully you recover from the injury very soon. And uh, listen, you'll have, a, you'll have a job in analysis anyway. Absolutely. Uh, punditry when you, when you decide to hang up the spikes. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant stuff, Louise. Thanks a million for your time this morning. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Louise. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.